Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. Lane Nordland, always happy to welcome you to these shows, and our conversations are going to continue to talk about those men and women that uh, make a difference in the livestock industry, but also today we'll expand how they are making a difference in the lives of U.S. veterans. On the phone with us here today is Bill Brody, the founder of the All-American Beef Battalion, calling in today from Ashland, Kansas. Uh, Bill, what's the weather like down in Kansas here today? Well, it's a little hot and muggy out, but we've got a little breeze, so it's not bad, and we've had some beautiful rains this week, so we're real grateful. Well, uh, we, we've been getting a little rain up here in Montana, so all the, the farmers are pretty happy with how their crops are looking, but uh, grass is starting to turn a little up from green to gold up here in our pastures, but uh, up here that makes those cattle gain a lot of weight. But, uh, uh, Bill, I just want to thank you uh, first off for joining us here today and, and also for your service to our nation and uh, for what you do for the men and women in the armed services um, with the All-American Beef Battalion. For our friends that are tuning in today, could you describe the mission of the All-American Beef Battalion and its goal of putting a stake in front of every single U.S. US Armed Service Forces men and women out there? That's pretty simple. It's uh, to promote American beef in our mission statement and support the men and women fighting global war on terror. And with that, Bill, obviously uh, our men and women in the armed services give up so much of their freedoms, their time away from their family, going to destinations across uh, the world to to protect uh, our way of life. And uh, this is an opportunity to to really thank them for their service. And there's nothing more American than a a nice, good American-raised chunk of steak that, that you can thank them with. Now, uh, how did the All-American Beef Battalion get its start? Uh, uh, how, how did you and your fellow colleagues come together and discuss this and say, you know what, as veterans ourselves, this is a great way to help uh, pay it back and, and forward to those serving or who have served? Well, it was oh, about 14 years ago, I suppose, I was headed out to eastern Colorado to ship some cattle and listening to the radio and uh, the media was looking you know, anything bad they could say about these young men and women they did but not the good things and I had a, a couple of pretty nasty thoughts about the media thinking they were trying to turn this into Vietnam the way they treated the troops and I've only been involved in two things in my adult life one is an American cattleman, and second is a United States Marine. And you put the two together, and I thought, I would love to cook steak for these kids. And my original dream is to take it to the war zones, wherever they are. But I haven't been able to make that happen yet. But as you know, I'm a rep with Superior Livestock, and Jim Odell at that time was general manager of Superior. And I called Jim up and told him I had a crazy idea, and I went up and sat down across the desk from him and told him what it was, and he just looked at me and said, we can do it. And that's where the I started getting some other people that I had a lot of confidence in for my board and, and then <laughs> couldn't get through the government red tape. And 
I have a customer at that time that was from Tennessee, but he'd run cattle in the Flint Hills in Kansas, and he called me, and he was also an active duty lieutenant colonel in the Army. And he called me one evening, and we talked about the cattle in the market, and then at the end of the conversation, I thought, well, I'm going to run this by Kevin and see if he knows a way I can break through the government tape. And and, uh, and after that conversation, the next day I was standing in the middle of the feedlot pen at Hoxie, Kansas, and my cell phone rang, and I was on a conference call with Colonel Hathaway and Colonel Cole. And Colonel Cole was evidently a friend of the Bushes, and they'd already had my idea to the Pentagon and the White House, and things happened very rapidly after that. Well, it truly shows uh, what a small world we live in, and but also the uniqueness of your idea as well. Uh, really, really, obviously caught the attention of uh, these top officials in the in the White House and in the administration uh, a few years back, Bill. And Bill, I do want to continue to expand upon uh, the the, the All American Beef Battalion, but first, I think we just need to take some time to maybe just learn a little more about yourself too. Gr- growing up in the cattle industry, and, and as you, as you said, uh, your two careers, uh, being a cattleman and, and being a marine as well. Uh, you know, wh- where where did you grow up, and uh, did did you grow up uh, in production ag or in a feedlot background? What what how, how did you get your start uh, uh, growing up down there? Well, I got my first pony when I was three years old, and I probably have always a little been wilder than some, some children. And my first pony, well, my dad, somebody saw me riding him one day, and all of a sudden, dad was bid $800 for a Shetland in about 1952. <laughs> and mom and I loaded him up and took him home, and, and two weeks later, he got a twisted gut and died, and then after that, Dad let me turn the ponies into kid horses, and then somebody see me riding them, and he said, I just don't want to see somebody's kid get hurt, and he knew I'd ride them. And then from then on, I just uh, was on the ranch or working. Dad bought sail barn when I was 13 and worked at the sail barn. And I graduated from high school in 66 and was bored with school, so I just wanted to see if I was tough enough to be a Marine and enlisted in the Marines. And it was a pretty hot time in the war then. That was when they were going to the half-million troop buildup, and they moved us overseas pretty fast. So, Bill, when you were overseas, obviously, uh, in your bio, I did read that, that uh, you, you were wounded over there. Um, are, are you comfortable sharing your experience over there and, and what you saw and and maybe the friendships that, that were made when you were fighting on behalf of the nation. Uh, what, what, what experiences do you, do you feel comfortable sharing with our cattlemen and women that are listening here today? Well, I don't think any of us can describe what we saw and what we went through. But, uh, you know, it's uh, the same thing these kids go through today. And that's why, you know, I was wounded two different times, actually. Trip to Bowie Terrap the first time and then got shot the second time and they couldn't get me out and had to turn it on for 24 hours and, and by the time they got me out I had gangrene and I got better back back to Philadelphia and as soon as you got out of the hospital a little bit you started seeing the 
protest against all of us that went. And, and uh, in actuality, even here in Ashland, I had a classmate spit on me and call me a baby killer, and I was too weak at that time to get out of my wheelchair at Thanksgiving, or I probably would have hurt him or tried to. But it was quite a quite a deal, and that's why I had such resentment against the media because when they start trying to treat these kids the same way. Well, it's very shameful how you and your fellow veterans and those that lost their lives during that conflict uh, were treated. And I, I, I know uh, a lot of people recognize that, but that, that, that should have never happened. And uh, I, I truly respect how you took uh, that very uh, disrespectful uh, treatment that you received uh, and, and tried to at least turn that around for, for the, the young men and women that have been fighting uh, uh, overseas for the past few years. And I, I just think the All-American Beef Battalion, the, the mission and the goal is, is just so important. And... Bill, when we look at this, how many stakes so far have you been able to serve uh, men and women? Right now, we're sitting at around 415,000 troops and family members we've fed in the last. Uh, I should got to stop and count back. That was 08 when we started, so the last 12 years. And, um, you know, we've done feeds for as little as 50 to. Uh, we did 5,200 one, one time down to Fort Bliss. And one day we fed 4,000 at the Air Force Academy, and the next day 5,000 at Fort Carson. So, I mean, I got the most phenomenal crew you could ever, and my you know my core crew that you could ever hope to put together. They are tremendous people. And the ironic thing to me is, in my group of core volunteers, there's only two of us that have served. The rest are uh, Bruce is a feedlot manager. John is a got a real estate brokerage. Uh, you know, I mean, it's another gentleman. Most of all, all some kind of involvement in agriculture, but uh, none of them except Ron have served in the military. And they just want to tell these kids thank you, and they the amount of time and. And expense they go through because no one in our organization has paid a salary. 100% of the money raised goes to the mission. We reimburse a mileage pulling our cookers and stuff to the feeds because we, we, well, back in 2008, we did one in Billings. And, uh, you know, we just, absorb most costs ourselves. I pay for their motel rooms and and reimburse some mileage on it because they use their pickups to pull our cookers and our reefer and our supply wagon and, and uh, they're just tremendous tremendous patriots. So Bill, w- w- could you paint a picture for us kind of how that set up w- what it looks like uh, maybe when 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 uh when a feed is going to be held for for the the uh for the veterans, their families or, or those that are still serving uh, h- how do how does that how does the battalion make its way say as you said to Billings Montana uh does someone make a request 
Uh, how does the meat get bought? How does the planning? Uh, could, could we just maybe do the uh, walkthrough of the of the months and the weeks and the days that go into uh, preparing these meals and and uh, getting those invites out uh, for, for uh, people to attend as well? Well, be real truthful, John does most of the organizing anymore, or did for a while. Now Bruce is taking it over in this area, and Ron does out there in Colorado because most of our feeds are through the center of the country in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. Uh, but we've been like, we get uh, a head count and try and get an accurate head count of how many people are going to be. Cause we feed a inch and a quarter thick ribeye steak to the adults. And then we feed an all beef hot dog to the kids. And so there for a long time, Kirby Meat would never charge us anything. Tim would go over and he would pick up the meat for us and he would wet age it in the cryback and he'd cut it up and then rebox it and freeze it. And he never would let us pay. And, and, and that finally he just, we got too big and he, he couldn't handle it anymore. So anymore, we uh, ordered the steaks, you know, a week or so ahead of time and have them in at Sam's and. They cut them the way we want them, and, and uh, we go pick them up, and uh, we've got our own special seasoning we put on them. And, uh, we get uh, you know all our stuff and load it in our supply wagons and our reefers and, and just take off to wherever we need to go. And none of the equipment is owned by the beef battalion. We all own the cookers, John and Fort and Bill Harmon have built these cookers that well we'll find one that's uh some barbecue place is not going out of business and i'll have a, one of these rotating cookers for sale and then we mount it on a trailer and put convection ovens on them and basically if we got electricity we can cook out in the middle of nowhere in fact we've even got one trailer with a generator on it so if we're out in the middle of nowhere and don't have access to electricity well we can still operate so at uh, uh with a, a normal supply of uh cookers that, that you have with you uh how many steaks are on the grill uh on average at one time at most of these feeds that cooker that i own i can put about 400 ribeyes on it <laughs> oh. oh i can just smell that right now and uh, it's um like i say uh I don't compare many people to the troops I fought with in Vietnam, but the loyalty and dedication of these men and women that help us is very comparable to the men that stood with me in Vietnam. Well, I just think that's uh, so impressive, the dedication and just the commitment to our nation uh, that, that folks in rural America have uh, to the Stars and Stripes and, and to everything that this nation was founded on. Uh, Bill, for yourself, do you have uh, a moment uh, from all of these e events and steaks that have been served that sticks in, in your mind uh, out above the others? You know, a comment made by by uh, a men or women serving or a family member. Do you have uh, something that just really sticks with you the most when you are able to uh, go out there and, and see these people face to face? Oh, yeah, I definitely have one. It was Christmas time, and we were doing one at Fort Carson, actually, for the spouses of a deployed unit that were in the hot combat zones. 
and uh, Colorado corn growers have been tremendous supporters of us, and a bunch of them had showed up, and so I didn't need to be working on the serving line or anything. And so I was just talking to the people, and ladies mainly, and their children as they came through, and this lady came up to me, and the little girl was probably four years old. She looked down at her daughter and said, Honey, you give this man a big hug because he's doing this because what your daddy's doing for him. Christmas time, you got a little four-year-old girl hugging your leg. Her daddy's in the hot zone in Afghanistan. You think that won't bring a tear to an old Marine's eye? It did. Well, Bill, I, I really just commend you and, and all the, the volunteers that that, have, that step up and uh, take the time to, you know, really pay it forward to, to the families and the men and women uh, protecting our nation. And obviously it's a pretty tough time right now to, to try and get out and have these events and see these families and everyone involved because of COVID-19. Uh, how is that impacting uh uh, just planning, or, or how how can we here at home uh, uh, help thing help out the battalion, uh, maybe through fundraising or whatnot? But obviously things are slowed down here due to COVID. Well, you know it's you know definitely fundraising has slowed down, but uh, like I mentioned, the Colorado Corn Growers where they came on board with us, they've been on board with us since 2009, just a year after we started. Been tremendous supporters. In fact, I checked with my uh, lady that does all our books and accounting and, and since 2009 the Colorado corn growers have donated to over $212,000 to the beef battalion and they are and then the North Dakota corn growers sent a check for 15000 but they're the only two major national organizations that got on board it's mostly individuals like the Oklahoma City stockyards every December they have a rollover auction for us and they would usually raise between fifteen and sixty thousand dollars for us. And uh, needless to say, I would love for the NCBA and the individual state organizations, KLA, whatever, you know, to see that that we're doing some good because I think we do a tremendous job of showing people how great beef is and what. You know, one of the things that's wrong with our industry today is we have to move through the chain so fast that you don't get steaks like we did in the old days when we aged them. And all of our beef was aged, and I'll end up talking with senior NCOs and officers about how they can age their own beef in the cryovac. And when you deal with this many kids, you know, I shouldn't call them kids because they're men and women and by anybody's standard, but for an old Marine, they're kid kids. And, and uh, you know, we could send a, a positive a positive beef message out to all 50 states when we feed two or 300 of these kids because they're going to call home or write home. I don't think anybody writes anymore, but text home about what they got fed. And it's just, you know, it's very humbling for us because they, they're so grateful for, for what's being done for them. Bill, the, the website, of course, is www.stakesfortroops.com. For the folks uh, listening to this podcast here today, uh, can, can they give uh, individual donations of cash uh, with a credit card on- online through the website? 
they can do it with a credit card. Of course, we love them just to send a check to the address on the website. And uh, because, you know, everybody take, wants their little cut out of everything. If you do it with a credit card, well, we're going to get about 90% of the money. And, and But, you know, it can be done that way. Anybody's got questions, that my cell phone is the one that's up on the website, and I will talk to them if they've got any questions. Great. So I'm I'm just, I'd be delighted to talk to all all of them. I mean, you know, know, our biggest need is cash, and, you know, we've got this thing down where three to five of us will cover most of the feeds so we can cut down on our motel expense and then get we get most of the help locally. I mean, no people know about us anymore that make a few calls and we can get all the help we need locally so we don't have that expense. And, and uh, we'll try to make it as efficient of operation as we can as far as spending the money that's entrusted to us. Again, Bill Brody joining us here today from Ashland, Kansas, founder of the All-American Beef Battalion. Uh, Bill, uh, one of my last questions is, where do you hope to see the All-American Beef Battalion head in the next 10 to 20 years uh, as new volunteers come on board, as uh, uh, more young men and women serve our nation? How would you like to see it grow? Um, You mentioned, obviously, you'd like to see more state association support from cattle groups. But uh, uh, that point aside, where where would you like to see this organization that has done so much uh, for those who have served our nation and the families? Where would you like to see it head in the next 10 to 20 years? Of course, my dream is to uh, take this thing over to wherever these kids are serving and not where just Bob Oak goes. That's I told the command commanding general at Fort Riley one day that I said, General, what would the what would this do for the trip troops morale if they saw a Chinook coming in with one of these cookers slung underneath it to a forward operating base and we come in there and cook steaks for them. We'd be in and out in three hours. And uh, oh man, he said to be love it, but you know, I've got to get the right people to say I can do it first, but <laughs> they seem to think I shouldn't go there. But as I told the general, I've been shot at before. Swear me back in. <laughs> well, I think that'd be a sight seeing one of those cookers getting flown in. But hey, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And you know, I think it'd be great to see some U.S. beef being served overseas uh, in those active combat zones or, or bases uh, or wherever it may be. So I, I hope your goal comes true. And I, I, I hope with some uh, support from our. Uh, elected officials and uh agency folks maybe we could get that done i i think that'd be pretty neat well i know the ncba has more political pull than i've got personally and any of them that want to talk to me about how we can make this bigger i'm i mean i'm not going to make it a political pawn for anybody but i just think we're so good for the the picture of the beef industry Yep. I mean, not not discounting what what these kids are thinking, but what a good image we paint for the beef industry when we do this. Because these are eighteen to twenty ounce ribeyes. I mean, you know, you'd be in most high end restaurants, you'd be paying fifty, sixty bucks for one of our steaks. 
and you can cut them with cheap plastic silverware. Yep. Well, so I, I just would invite all NCBA to come on board with us, and we'd love to have them on and, and uh, see if we can't all make the beef industry a little better. I'll pass that word on and, and share the podcast with, with, with all the leaders there, Bill. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's a busy time up here and, uh, you know, the cattle prices, uh, you know, they're not what they, they have been or where they should be. Uh, but you know, uh, it, that's pretty minimal when, when we look at uh, the sacrifice that so many men and women, uh, have given to this country, uh, serving this nation and, uh, serving up a nice, uh, steak meal is just one way that we can all pay it forward, uh, so, Bill Brody, I just want to thank you for, for taking time to, to join us here today talking about the All-American Beef Battalion. I, any last comments, words, or advice, or uh, what's going on in the cattle markets? Uh, anything else you'd like to say? Uh, it just bad times pass is what I know, and that's I know what's going on on the feeding side of the industry right now is tough, but background inside side's getting a little better right now. I mean, I'm heading out of here and, Next Friday, there we got 160,000 selling at Winnemucca next week, and uh, I know that. Well, I've I've been in the business long enough. I went through the crashes in the 70s and the 80s, and none of them were fun. But the beef industry is very strong. Our mentality is good. We will get through this. No, I I agree with that, Bill. And uh, again, I would just like to encourage all of our listeners to visit steaksfortroops.com to learn more and cut a check to the All-American Beef Battalion. Again, Bill Brody was our guest here today. And uh, again, uh, we had a guest, uh, another superior rep on a few weeks ago. Mr. Clint Berry was one of my podcast reps. So uh, maybe I guess Superior could, uh, Superior's not sponsoring this podcast. I'll make that clear to our listeners, but they got some great people working (laughs) for them and marketing some cattle. But uh, uh, Bill, I just want to thank you for your time, for your service and and for your initiative and creating the All-American Beef Battalion and and getting steaks in, in front of all those families and men and women that make sure that we can live free here in the U.S. Uh, any last words before I just let you get back to your day again? I just thank you for the opportunity to talk about it because the more people know, the more people we can serve. And as I know our industry and as people know about it. They, and like I say, if, feel free to call me. And my name, my phone number is up on the webpage. And, and uh, you know, I'm more than willing to. I'll be. They, they can keep me awake about Friday or Saturday and Sunday while I'm driving to Winnemucca. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quick trip for you there. <laughs> yeah, I do uh, 1,300 miles out there uh, one way. <laughs> well, uh, safe travels to Winnemucca for that sale there with Superior Livestock there next week. And again, friends that are tuning in. Uh, consider supporting the All American Beef Battalion. You can learn more by visiting Steaks for troops.com. Well, Bill, thanks again for joining us here today. And friends listening, make sure and subscribe and tune in and share this story and many others on social media here on The Cattleman's Call. I'm Lane Nordlund. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.